Recorded live. Hi, Flyers fans. Welcome to the Flyer Buzz Show here on Flyers 24-7 Radio. I'm Bill Meltzer from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. This is a program we're going to be doing uh, throughout the season, um, probably a few days per week. And we'll be talking about things going on with the current Flyers team, uh, some updates on prospects, and um, a look at what Flyers alumni are doing, and working some trivia and some fun stuff as well. So we have a lot to talk about today, so let's get right into it. Um, last night, the Flyers had a very frustrating loss in, in Ottawa, a 5-4 loss. Um, it was a game where the Flyers really dug themselves a, a very deep hole early on, trailing 3 to nothing by the first intermission. It was really a carryover effect almost from the the last home game of, uh, against Anaheim, uh, where the Flyers served for their first blowout loss of the year. Nothing nothing went well in that first period for the Flyers. Um, and they bounced back to their credit over, over the final 40 minutes. They were definitely the better hockey team. Um, the way the third period went with the two disallowed goals ended up becoming the story of the game. But, um, you know, when you when you dig yourself that deep of a hole in a game, it's really, it really leaves no margin for error to come back. Um, let's, let's, however, talk about the two disallowed goals in the third period um, last night. The first one was a goaltender interference play. It was a shot by Brandon Manning from the point. Jordan Wheel is uh, trying to set up a screen in front, and he was inside of the blue paint on the play. Um, it looked like Ottawa goalie Craig Anderson was the one who initiated the contact on the play. Um, Wheel vacated the crease, and the puck goes in the net. Now, again, it was it was ruled as a good goal initially. My first my first instinct in watching the play live is this is going to be challenged, and it's got about a fifty fifty shot of standing or not standing. Uh, ultimately, they decided to um, disallow the goal. Uh, if you look at Rule sixty nine point three, uh, which pertains to this, and there are two sections to it. One pertains to the uh, a forward being inside of the crease, preventing the goalie from having a, a fair opportunity to make a save, and there being some incidental contact on the play. Um, that was actually what, what was cited if you if, in the NHL's explanation of it. Um, however, I thought it was Anderson was the one who initiated the contact. However, under the same rule, under 69.3, if the goalie's in the act of establishing position inside of the crease and, and actually is the one who initiates the incidental contact, um, and in the judgment of the referee, and that's the important part, it's a judgment call, he doesn't have a fair opportunity to get reset. So that that was, you know, that to me was where I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe it's not going to stand. It's frustrating. I mean, you could certainly make make the case that uh, Wheel vacated and, and Anderson had enough time to get set again and make, you know, attempt to save on the Manning shot. But I, I could see that one the other way, you know, as well. I mean, you, you could say that uh, you know, goaltending is such a rhythm thing, and uh, the contact happened inside of the crease, and, you know, just as, I mean, Wheel did vacate, but just as he's vacating, the shot is on its way and it goes in the net. I, I think you could argue that either way. The second disallowed goal, though, the Sean Couturier one, um, and Couturier had just earlier scored to cut the deficit to 5-4, to four. Um, the Sankatori disallowed goal in the final minute was one where, 
you know, it was a, it was a very frustrating situation for the for the Flyers. Uh, television replays had a very clear angle that the puck entered Anderson's glove, but Anderson's glove was clearly entirely over the goal line, inside of the net. Um, the official decided uh, he ruled rather that that he had lost sight of the puck, intended the blow the blow play dead, and therefore, therefore, what happened thereafter, you know, would didn't matter, right? It didn't count. Um, however, and that was and instantly that was the explanation the NHL gave too that it was uh, intend to blow play dead, and that that's the end of the play. So. The puck going in the, the net and it was irrelevant, and the uh, rest of the play was not reviewable. However, if you look in the NHL rulebook, section 38.4, which is situation subject to video review, if you look at section 8, it says the video review process shall be permitted to assist referees in determining the legitimacy of all potential goals. Example to ensure they are good hockey goals. Um, and then, then it refers to a couple situations that don't pertain to this one specifically. The the important part here is the the last portion of it, and that uh, that states um, this includes situations where the referee stops play or is in the process of stopping play because he's lost sight of the puck and is subsequently determined by video review that the puck crosses or has crossed the goal line at the culmination of a continuous play. Uh, unaffected by the result of the whistle. Uh, in other words, the decision to blow play dead did not affect the outcome of the play. You know, it wasn't a situation where a bunch of guys are banging away at the puck, it's not covered, there's a whistle, and then one guy puts it in. This was a continuous play, the puck is always in motion, and then, it, you know, intend to blow play dead had nothing to do with the, the goal actually being scored. That, according to, that according to uh, 38-4, Section 8, is absolutely 100% reviewable and was actually reviewed on the ice. So I don't even know why they would review it on the ice, you know, and then declare it not reviewable. It was it was 100% a goal on that on that play and the Flyers had every right to be upset with that. You know, it uh it was a situation where, you know, you're running out of time in the game. It's a potential game-tying goal and it's it's very, you know, it certainly is a very frustrating goal to lose in that situation. Um, but if you look at the big picture here, you know, hopefully the Flyers righted their ship a little bit after a, a terrible first period last night. Um, Michael Neuverth let in, you know, probably the shorthanded goals, one he'd like to have back in particular. They needed a few more saves from him last night, and I don't, I don't think Michael himself would dispute that. And uh, it's the same thing as well with Brian Elliott in the previous game. Certain losses certainly were not on them. But uh, goaltending was an area where you know the, the Flyers maybe could have used a little better performance. But but more than that, it was definitely a team wide thing yesterday. That the first period um, they weren't skating very well. You know your feet aren't moving. That's going to create time and space for the other team. Flyers are turning pucks over. And a lot you know a, a lot of the same things that we saw in the Anaheim game were going on in the first period last night. And uh, as it went along, I. You know, as I said as I said earlier, that I thought that the Flyers were the better team over the final 40 minutes. Um, Jake Voracek finally got his first goal of the season, and it's been racking up the assists at a you know tremendous pace. But uh, hadn't scored one. Got a got a little bit of help on that one. It 
friendly bounce off of a defenseman. We got, we got a little bit of a break on that. Um, you know the uh, but the second the second Ottawa goal, which started off, started off a turned over puck behind the net. Flyers seemed to recover, didn't get the puck out. You know, and then an attempted pass across. Um, you know, their Flyers coverage was a little scrambled, and uh, an attempted pass that went in off of a uh, went in off of actually Travis Sanheim on that. So sometimes those breaks kind of even out over a game. Um, Travis Konechny scored a nice breakaway goal. He, uh, you know, he was in need of something like that, uh, not just to get a second goal of the season. He had, he was one of the guys who had kind of a tough night in Anaheim. I mean, really, other than other than the Flyers' top line, that's a it was a very big club in that game. Not even not even guys like Ivan Provorov, who's usually so steady, didn't you know he didn't uh, have one of his better nights against Anaheim. So it was, you know, just just a snowball kind of effect. It was it was nice goal by Konechny. Uh, in the third period, during a four-on-four, um, Ivan Provorov hammered home. Absolutely just a heavy shot. Uh, hammered home his second goal of the season. And then Couturier got a got a nice deflection goal. He'd been robbed earlier on what seemed to be a sure goal uh, by Anderson. But Couturier, you know, Couturier just keeps on rolling. His, the way that he's played on that top line has been one of the biggest positives of the season so far. Um, and, you know, I, I think people have wondered, well, is it something he can sustain? But if you, you go back, actually, to the end of last season where he had 17 points in the final 19 games, he's doing the same thing this year. He's just he's just doing it on the top line. And um, there was a tremendous stat online um, last night, and I give uh, the guy who created uh, Alexander Appleyard had, had a stat online last night and looked it up, and this is correct. That over going back to March 1st of last season, the only NHL player with more even strength points than Couturier is Patrick Kane of uh, the Blackhawks. Kane has 30 points, 30 even strength points in his last 30 games, and uh, Couturier has 27 points in his last 28, and there's all you know even strength points. So that's uh, that's just a tr- tremendous thing that he that he's accomplishing. Really, I, I think if the uh, it's too early to talk about NHL awards, but if he keeps this up, Couturier is, should very much be in the running for the Selkie Trophy this year. I don't know of anybody in the league who's playing a better two-way game than he is. Go back to that game against Edmonton, and the, the Flyers held Connor McDavid off the score sheet in that game. And the large part of that was because when he was out there against the Flyers' top line, he didn't have the puck. You know the the Flyers were the ones pressing the attack in the uh, in the Edmonton zone, and so we had to work to get the puck. And you know when you do that to McDavid in particular, as dynamic as McDavid is, he he's not the best two way player yet. You know he might be the best pure offensive talent in the NHL, but he's not the best all around guy. So if you make him work in his own zone, you're going to have a lot of success against him. It's, of course, that's so much easier said than done because he's so fast, so talented. Once he does get the puck, and you always have to worry about transitional plays with him um you know the scott scott lawton's line did, did a good job too but but um mcdavid had a lot more attacking opportunity against that line as he does against most teams um couturier and company really did a masterful job against him in, in that game last saturday so couturier is absolutely getting the job done um and it's it's it was much needed last night too uh flyers didn't have nolan patrick in the lineup um as as you know most of you know he had to leave uh 
Tuesday's game early. Uh, his, his head hit the boards. They hit the glass rather above above the boards, and it was a clean shoulder to shoulder check by Chris Wagner on the play. Nothing nothing dirty about it. Just an unfortunate result. He was in a little bit of a vulnerable position. Um, by the end of the second period, Nolan was back up in the in the press box wearing a suit, um, walking around after the game, and he actually practiced on Wednesday. So those are hopeful signs that it won't be any kind of a lengthy absence. It may have just been for the best to uh, hold him out for a game, but we'll we'll see heading into this weekend game uh, in Toronto, which is going to be a very tough one. Toronto Toronto's become a powerhouse club in the NHL and is a you know, definite threat to be the team that comes out of the East. They're very good, very good, <laughs> very good roster. High power. The goaltending has been just okay so far, but they're uh, they're getting the job done in a, in a lot of other ways. And of course, Mike Babcock has been a very successful coach. So the Flyers are going to have their hands full with or without Nolan Patrick on Saturday night. Um, the Flyers are idle tonight, but uh, the the Lehigh Valley Phantoms are in action tonight. They have a rematch with uh, Springfield tonight. The Springfield Thunderbirds and the Phantoms. Coming to that game and having won five in a row, including a 3-2 decision over Springfield. <coughs> Pardon me, uh, 3-2 decision over Springfield in overtime on Wednesday night at the PPL Center, and that was a game where the, the Phantoms really dominated in the first and third periods. Springfield had a little bit of a pushback in the second, and then the Phantoms won that in overtime. A lot of lot of good things for the Phantoms in that game. Uh, the uh, Mike Vecchioni line. Continued to look really good. Um, Oscar Lindblom, he had an assist on the game-winning goal. But uh, more than that, even though he's still looking for his first goal of the season, he was getting to the scoring areas. He was very heavy on the puck, very effective on the forecheck in general. Um, and he's even in training camp with the Flyers, his two-way game was probably the strongest aspect you know, that, he, that he showed. He uh, was back-checking well. He killed some penalties. Last game, he, he was he was very solid. He looks to be on the cusp of, of breaking out. Um, Mikhail Vorobiev, um, he was feeling his way a little bit in early games uh, to take a little bit of pressure off of him. Scott Gordon moved him down in the lineup. Um, he's another guy who's a good two-way player, and he seems to be settling in. He uh, stripped the Springfield player of the puck and fed Colin McDonald for his first goal of the season. That was the goal that gave the Phantoms a 2 to nothing lead in the game. Um, and uh, McDonald's return is certainly a, a big thing for the Phantoms. He, he's a crucial part of that club, both as a leader and also as a guy who can you know, contribute goals at the American Hockey League level. Um, so, Vorobiev seems to be settling in, and, and Sam Moran had a, had a good, solid game um, also on, on Wednesday. Um, Logged a ton of ice time, killed some penalties, uh, big hit in the corner. Uh, Bobby Farnham, who I don't know how Farnham did not get a uh, did not get an instigator on it because he, I mean, he was clearly, you know, he wanted the fight with uh, with Moran and uh, Moran handled that pretty easily. Um, I guess give Farnham some credit for being game. Um, you know, physically it was a, it was a bit of a mismatch there, but uh, Sam Moran has, has gone gone to Lehigh Valley with a very positive attitude after being sent down by the Flyers. And it's it's a matter of time. There there'll be there'll be an opportunity for him, you know, and then it's he will have a good opportunity to uh 
you know, I, I think stick in the lineup as a regular at some point here. It's just a matter of finding a finding a space and a fit for him, and that that will happen. You know, I, I'm confident in saying that. Um, Moran is Moran has looked good. You know, Moran needed a game or so to settle back in. Um, the Phantoms are a little bit short on the blue line um, this week because uh, Philippe Myers, who may be back as soon as tonight, we'll we'll see. Uh, but Philippe Myers is out of the lineup, and T.J. Brennan is going to be out for another two, three weeks, according to Ron Hextall. So uh, they really needed they really needed guys like Moran stepping up, and he and he certainly did that. So the Phantoms will go in tonight looking for their um, sixth straight win. They come in with five straight wins. Springfield is a struggling club, comes in one six and one, but they certainly you know they certainly competed hard against the Phantoms the other night. So that should be a, a good match for the for the Phantoms. See if they can keep things rolling, and then they return home to the PPL Center tomorrow, and they'll play the Hartford Wolfpack. Um, in addition to the Phantoms, there are numerous Flyers prospects, junior prospects in action. Uh, a couple of good games in the Ontario Hockey League tonight. Uh, one of note is the uh, Sioux Samory Greyhounds with Morgan Frost, the Flyers' other first-round pick this this past year after Nolan Patrick. And Ross um, comes in with 14 points in his first 13 games. Uh, they're taking on the rolling over team so far this year. They're 12 and 1 on the season, and they bring an 11 game winning streak in. Um, Anthony Salonitri, another Flyers prospect, uh, is playing for Sarnia. He has 14 points in his first 13 games, and he's not even among the team leaders. They're just a very, very deep hockey team. Um, there's another game in the Ontario League tonight that. Also pits two Flyers prospect sides against one another. The uh, Owen Sound attack is playing the Kitchener Rangers. That's 7:30 Eastern time. Uh, Owen Sound's Maxim Sushko, uh, Flyers prospect, has been uh, on a roll so far. He had a four-goal night last weekend, and uh, so far eight goals and 12 points in his first nine games. And uh, Kitchener's captain is Connor Bunneman, who uh, you know he really broke. Broke free as the offensive part of his game last year, and scoring in bunches in the preseason this year. Uh, got off to a little bit of a slow start offensively. Was un- under the weather for a little while, uh, and that slowed him slowed him a little bit. But he uh, he started to settle in, and he has he's up to five goals in the season so far and eight points. So that should be uh, that should be a good match as well. And the other the other match with the with the Flyers prospect in action tonight is uh, Guelph Storm against the Erie Otters. Um, Isaac Ratcliffe plays for the Guelph side. So, multiple games in the Ontario Hockey League tonight. Um, in the Quebec League, the uh, two Flyers prospects playing in that league: Garman Rubitsov, Flyers first round pick a year ago, and Pascal Laberge, Flyers second round pick a year ago, uh, are not in action tonight, but both play on Saturday and Sunday. So. Uh, that's something to look for for them. Rubitsov was named to the Russian team for the upcoming uh, Russia series of games against the Hockey League. Both prospect Carter Hard, who hasn't played yet this season because he's been dealing with mono. Uh, he's back and practicing with the team. He will be with Team WHL um, for the for the series and for the two games, and he'll get should start at least one of those. But he's he's close to playing after uh, after not being available to his team 
to this up to this point. He got uh, he came you know, he he was he came down ill like right around the time he uh, returned back from the Flyers um, after he was sent down to his junior team. Uh, the also the Flyers action tonight for those who are interested. And I have a game at Revolution Iceworks in Warwick, Pennsylvania, a 7 o'clock game. And tonight's game benefits athletes, which uh, provides access and special needs athletes. Uh, I always do such tremendous things in the community. And uh, some notables are, are, are playing for the alumni tonight um, in Warwick. Brad Marsh, is, uh, Bob Kelly is playing, Riley Cote, or Doug Crossman. Um, a couple of American Hockey League Hall of Famers uh, in Mitch Lamaru and in goal Freddie Cassivi tonight, and actually uh, on the on the other side, uh, Jason Martinez is is in goal for the uh, for Team AHA, you know. And then with all due respect to Jason, that's a that's a little bit of a mismatching goal there, but it's it'll all be fun. It'll all be fun. So hopefully you can come out there tonight. Um, and uh, before we end the show tonight, give you a trivia question for tomorrow night's game to think about. This will actually be on the air tomorrow night um, during the broadcast. The uh, question is, which Flyer scored the first two hat-tricks against Toronto in Flyers franchise history? Rick McLeish, Reggie Leach, or Andre Lacroix? And I'll let you think about that one. The answer will be uh, presented tomorrow night. question will be asked in the first period, and the answer will be on the air in the third period. So uh, tune in. I hope everyone enjoys the games this weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Uh, Bill Meltzer signing off for the Flyers Buzz podcast. Thank you very much.